1: into the
2: Rory Sauter show. I'm Rory Soder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Um, we had amazing shows last week. Everything you could want for in a show. So much established, amazing dialogue, wonderful guests, perfect rhythm, awesome flow, and uh, the way we the way we re- resonate and connect with one another on the air. It's fascinating and it really helps uh, the show flow. Uh, I'm very grateful. Uh, literally, though, I mean, it's just everything that comes with the show. I mean, it's just played so perfectly. It really is. And uh, it's always, always on point. Always on point. Uh, some of the best commentary, I tell you. Um, I want to, uh,
1: like I do every episode, I want to thank all my co hosts, my audience, sponsors, and guests. Uh, you are all incredible.
2: Uh, the show is listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit my media site, the N-E-X, Gen, G-E-N, com. And also remember, in the coming weeks, in about a month actually, in about a month. We will be releasing the new network, which we're very excited about. Uh, It's a 24-7 media network, which will be having many notable names doing their own shows on there. And the main faces of the site will be my good friend, America's stuff, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, and uh, my other good friend, uh, the head of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. So I cannot wait uh, for that. It's going to be very exciting. And uh, I tell you, I've been on the air now. Almost two years. I mean, it's amazing how time goes by so quickly. I can't even believe it's been almost two years. You know, it's um, everything uh, is just like scary fast. I wish, uh, wish I had like a pause button or like
1: a rewind button. Uh, but I wanna, I wanna welcome to the show, um, doctor, <laughs> award-winning speaker, veteran, professor, technology expert
2: best-selling author, and
3: currently the Commissioner of Parks and Recreation for Maricopa County, Dr. Bob Ranch. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing fantastic tonight, Roy. I, I hope that you had a great weekend, and, you know, really congratulations on all your success. It's an honor to be here on your show. I know that, uh, you know, if people, it's their first time tuning in, you have had many, many great shows, and uh, honored to be a part of it. And Looking forward to uh, tackling some of the subjects that happened over the weekend.
1: Absolutely,
2: my friend. Well, it's great to have you here, and I'm glad you had a great weekend. Uh, also, would like to welcome to the show uh, Desert Storm veteran, columnist, activist, and radio, popular radio
4: show host Eric Thompson. Eric, how are you? Hey, doing great. Thank you again for having me. And yeah, a lot of a lot of good news to talk about uh, today. Absolutely,
2: definitely. Uh, I would also like to welcome to the show uh, Kurt, uh, the founder of College Republicans United, founder of Republicans United, and currently the, lead, the leader of Nationalists United, Kevin DeKuyper. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing
5: very wonderfully, Rory. It's going to be a great show tonight. I'm happy to be on as usual, and I really missed you since Thursday.
2: Absolutely, my friend. Well, we missed you too, and great to have you here.
1: Um, so, obviously, guys, a lot of stuff happened over the weekend, um, you know. But the main story here is the situation where. Well, I want to I know we got to get to the
2: shooting, and that that you know that's one of the main stories—the shooting in Gilroy. And we will get to that. I have Jan Watts calling in shortly, and uh, he'll be uh, going over because he's a, a Second Amendment expert and pro gun activist, and he follows all these shootings very thoroughly and closely. So. Definitely want to get some details from him.
1: But also, uh, the the thing I really want to talk about now is this whole Baltimore situation with uh, Mr. Mr. Cummings and uh, President Trump. You know, it's absolutely disgusting and disgraceful and appalling in a sense and just beyond embarrassing for our country that these people on the left refuse to take any accountability. Instead,
2: they play the victim. They play the race card. They don't acknowledge the facts of what's really going on in their districts. And they try to turn it on the other person
1: as if Trump said something wrong. No, Trump said nothing wrong. All Trump was doing was stating the facts of what Baltimore really looks like. And he's right. People don't want to live there. And the people that do live there don't want to be there. And they they want to move, but some of them have no choice. You know, it's not often that everyday people say, oh, you know what, I think I'm just going to go take a trip to Baltimore.
2: I'm going to go check out Baltimore tonight, have some fun. No, it's not, I mean, you know, I've heard there's like a couple things to do there, but it's not a place people stay for very long. Um, And and it has a lot of problems. You know, I'm sure everybody knows this, but they made a, a TV show called The Wire, which was based off of the crime in Baltimore. Uh, Because at that point, it was the highest rated
1: place for crime. And it's still,
2: I believe, in the top three, if I'm not mistaken. But,
1: yeah. And and just just this year, um, there have been 300 homicides. 300 homicides. And Democrats refuse to acknowledge it, refuse to take any accountability, refuse to Address or help the problem, but rather point the finger and call Trump a racist. I, I, I just can't – I can't – I can't fathom some of this idiocy, but at the same time, I can. And cor- let me correct the headline of what I just read. <clears throat> Baltimore homicides are on track to top 300 this year, so it's going to be more than 300 for this year. So think about that, folks. I mean, this is just as bad as Chicago. And you know, you know what really disgusts me is that we have all these problems in Chicago. We have, on average, probably
2: 10 people dying a weekend, and the media never talks about it. But the media will
1: talk about, you know, something like in California that that where a lot less people are killed. Only three people died in the California shooting yesterday. But
2: sometimes 20 people in a weekend are dying in Chicago, and they're not talking about it. And, the, and don't forget, places like Baltimore, places like Chicago, places like Detroit, all of, with high violence, all of these places are run by Democrats. They're all run by liberals. That is what they all have in common. Because what have I said from day one on this show? What do Democrats do? They create problems or keep problems there so they can say they have solutions. And I'm not just saying this goes on in our party. It's both sides, but it's more on the Democratic side. And for that reason,
0: they stay like
2: These places stay like this. And it's, it's, it's third world. It literally is. And, the, and Bernie, Bernie, a couple of years ago, criticized Baltimore in the way it was. They didn't call him a racist. They didn't call him hateful, which is exactly the reason, you know. Which, which is exactly why I'm saying this is because, you know, they only they only point they, they they just want to find things to get mad at Trump for.
1: They just want to be
2: on to the next thing. They want to find something to be offended about. They want to, you know, uh, you know, just they want they want to use their power. And. You know, when it, it's amazing how Democrats can get away with all this crazy, crazy nonsense and this crazy, uh, you know, radical, radical stuff, and and they can do bad stuff themselves, but then they're not held to the same standard, and they don't they don't take any accountability.
1: I mean, this guy, think about this though. Cummings has been in in Maryland in this district. In Baltimore, in this area, since 1996. And today it might be in the worst shape it's ever been in. What does that tell you? It sure tells you that he's after that special interest money way more than helping the people, and out for himself, and out to chase phony witch hunts to try to impeach the president, which is never going to happen. You know, and, and, he, and the people in Baltimore are coming forward now and saying that Trump is right. A lot of them are saying Trump is right, and they're showing videos of it, trash on the ground, all that stuff. You know, it's needles, feces, you name it, they have it. And it's never never going to get better or easier unless we address, you know, this problem. It's never going to get easier. Or better in these areas until, you know, these inner cities and these politicians get their shit right and get everything
2: straight. But sadly, I don't think the Democrats are going to do that. You know, and that's why Trump took
1: matters into his own hands today, and he's meeting with a lot of people from the inner cities uh, to try to help this situation. And think about that. There's so many people that want the inner cities to succeed, including the people in the inner cities. But there's
2: also a lot of people that want to hold the inner cities back. But Trump. But Trump, you know, is, wants to help them succeed. And what's that going to do for him to the people that are for helping their own community? It's going to get him more, more voters from the black community. You know, obviously we have some of these people in that community that are troublemakers and that they don't really care what happens to, to themselves and the people around them. I mean there's a lot of, a lot of criminals in, the, in those communities, but there's also a
1: lot of good people that want change and want these politicians to do the right thing and actually start working for them like they're designed to. So and and how long have we been talking
2: about the inner inner cities? How long have we been talking about you know all of this, all of this craziness, and all of all of the crazy, all just the crime skyrocketing? I mean, it's it's years, years, years. It's every election cycle we talk about this. You know why? Because all these past politicians haven't done a damn thing, or haven't done anything near uh, anything near to the extent that they should have. I mean, I guess here and there there's been some politicians that have done. You know some nice deeds and stuff for the inner cities, but not to the level that it should. That to the, that they should. You know, and, and that's a problem. That that's a really a really big issue. And not, nothing about this is racist. I mean, people need to drop that from their vocabulary. And I'm just gonna say this: when somebody calls you racist these days, especially on the left, it's meaningless. It doesn't mean a goddamn thing. Take it as a compliment. Because it basically means you just want an argument with a liberal. Nobody's a racist. I mean, not gonna say not gonna say nobody, but we aren't. But the, you know, there are Nazis, but that's
1: that's so rare. You
2: know, it's talked about more than it's than it's actually true. But it's like, you know, th- that is that is what is going on on social media with this Baltimore situation. They're like any Republican that is, agrees with Trump telling the truth about Baltimore, these, left, these leftists are calling people racist, hateful, and they're saying, oh, it's only because it, he's hating on an African-American man in a mainly African-American area. No, that's not it at all. It's like these people don't think. It's, it's, it's like I don't know, like, where these people get their, their uh, you know, it's, 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 it's insane. It's really insane. I want to play this clip from Tucker Carlson, and you know all, all these people are talking like they know Baltimore, like they live there, and they, they've experienced it, but more than half the people talking right now, the pundits and commentators, don't have a damn clue about anything in Baltimore and probably have never been there. but why don't we hear from a guy that actually has and he, hear this clip from Ben Carson Ben Carson lived in Baltimore for about twenty years where he did a lot of his surgeries um. For, for his practice, uh, he had his own practice and everything in Baltimore. And he could tell you firsthand what the streets of Baltimore and just the atmosphere and, and what, what the, their society did. Uh, one, five.
6: Dr. Ben Carson is the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, obviously. But before that, he lived in Baltimore. In fact, he spent almost 30 years performing pediatric neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins, the most famous hospital in America, which is in Baltimore. He knows a lot about the city and we're happy to have him join us tonight. Secretary Carson, thank you very much for coming Professor. on. So you spent a good chunk of your life in Baltimore. It's a sad city. I think it's a city with a lot of promise. What does it need, do you think?
7: Well first of all, you know, as a pediatric neurosurgeon, I spent many hours, sometimes operating all night long, trying to give children of Baltimore and other places around the world a second chance at life. And usually we were successful, but a few days later I was in a horrible dilemma. Because some of those kids had to go back into homes in East Baltimore that were infested with rats and roaches and ticks and mold and lead and violence. And I didn't want to send them back. Sometimes I would even consider, you know, extra tests so they could stay in the hospital an extra day or two. But now, fortunately, God's given me an opportunity to do something about it. And uh, that's one of the reasons I'm delighted to be in this administration. You know, while I was there, I worked on a lot of issues with many politicians, including Elijah Cummings you know, particularly in terms of childhood education and improving the life for the people. Uh I don't think Elijah Cummings is a bad person. I think he actually is working hard to try to help people. And I certainly don't think President Trump is a bad person. He's working very hard and in fact right. I asked him the day, would you be willing to work with Elijah Cummings to bring some relief to the people of Baltimore? He said he would be happy to. But in the meantime it's gonna continue with the programs, you know, like the opportunity zones, which get people to take money and invest it into the areas that are distressed. There are 149 of them in Maryland. And uh, Governor Hogan is doing a good job of helping to uh, capitalize upon that. But also, you know, unemployment is at a very low level. Manufacturing is coming back. Wages are going up. You know, prison reform. All these things are happening. These are not things that a person who was a racist would do. And we allow ourselves to be distracted by these things. And I think what President Trump was trying to say is that rather than spending your time talking about, you know, our brave border agents and investigating endlessly things, Uh, that you can't find anything on, why not spend some time working more for these people, you know, who are suffering? And that he's willing to work with them. I think that's what we should be asking for.
6: I I wonder if a city in which 65% of all kids are growing up in a single-parent household, I I wonder if you can get anywhere without addressing that?
7: You, You need to address that. You need to address the family issues. You know, uh, there was a a poverty uh, study by the Brookings Institute, and it concluded after a massive study that there were three things a person could do to reduce the likelihood of poverty to 2% or less. Number one, finish high school. Number two, get married. Number three, wait until you're married to have children. But a lot of our policies over these decades have not reflected that, and in fact have moved us in the opposite direction. We should actually utilize the data. It would make a huge difference.
6: I, I'm so glad to hear you say that. It's an obvious point, and you, you can't say it enough, and it's rarely said, unfortunately. Secretary Carson, Absolutely. thanks very much. Always
7: a pleasure, Tucker.
1: Very well said, as usual, by Dr. Carson. I mean, yeah. I mean, look
2: at look at what we're dealing with. I mean, look at look at the situation. I mean, it's just it's insane. I mean, when you have When you have this much, these many homicides, and you have these many shootings, and and this much crime in these Democratic areas, I mean, you know, and and they don't want to do anything about it. I mean, that's just,
1: Jesus, God help us. Uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead.
3: Yeah, Rory, yeah, I'll tell you what, it, it is something else that, you know, everything that now comes out of the left is racist. So you had Presley last week, says, we don't need another brown face unless you want to be a brown voice. We don't need another black face unless you want to be a black voice. We don't need a Muslim face unless you want to be a Muslim voice, and we don't need a queer face unless you want to be a queer voice. You had Omar, just, you know, it, it, it was brought out in the last few days where, you know, she had told uh, in a TV interview, they asked her if we should be afraid of uh, Muslim terrorists. And she said, in our country, we should be more fearful of the white man. We should be profiling the white man. That's what she said. Bernie right. And and you had Tlaib now is calling for the boycott of Israel and standing up to a lot of anti-Semitic rhetoric uh, and, and, and spewing it as well towards Israel. Now, regarding Baltimore, you know, first of all, Donald Trump did not say anything racist to Elijah Cummings. He said the truth about Baltimore. Barry Sanders, and you brought it up, called Baltimore a third-world country, and nobody said anything about it. The ex-mayor, Catherine Pugh, said that you can smell the rats in Baltimore. You could smell the dead animals. It is urban blight. People, you know, are not doing anything about, you know, what's happening in Baltimore. You know, I I don't know if you remember this, but about, what, three or four years ago when Baltimore was on fire because of riots, because of, you know, things that really did not happen, but they were yet rioting and burning down Baltimore, nobody has done anything for Baltimore as far as their representatives. You know, Elijah Cummings should be embarrassed of himself. And to me, this is absolutely wrong that what we have going on right now every time you know President Trump says anything, you're a racist Any time a Republican says anything, well, they're a racist, and to me, this has got to stop this hatred from the left has got to stop,
1: yeah, and I'm just looking at all of these i mean look at look at all of these inner
2: city areas i mean you you know we have we have a problem with people having you know, kids. I mean, you have people having too many kids, and they can't even take care of them. And we have kids starving and irresponsible parents. You know, we have uh, con- constant illegals flowing into these areas, and, and constant crime, constant gun violence, you know, all, all of this stuff. The taxes are skyrocketing. And who's in charge of all these areas, usually? The Democrats. So the Democrats are putting in all these anti-American stances and policies and all it's doing is putting our country backwards. But like I said, they like to create problems or keep problems there so they have a solution. Don't you agree, Dr. Bridge?
3: Well, I do. You know, that what so you're talking about. Is,
2: yeah. yeah,
3: that's right. See, what you're talking about is, uh, you know, it's a principle known as the Willie Lynch principle, where okay. you pair one side against the other. And the Democrats have been doing this now for, you know, hundreds of years to where they create an environment of a false environment that becomes reality, and this environment here uh, they want it to be perpetuated because then you know with Maslow's laws awesome of hierarchical needs, if you do not have food shelter and safety, you can't go up to self actualization you can't go up to love, and that is a big problem. And but that is one way that you oppress a society, and the Democrats have been doing this for hundreds of years. They have been taking away food shelter and everything, given the bare minimum, telling everybody that they are victims. Then they turn around and they say, "Vote for me, we will take care of you and that's what you have going on uh You've had many a guest on this show and many you know uh, people on the panel. Uh, 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 that are, you know, black people that have been talking about, you know, this mentality that, you know, they, that we want to make sure that we break this cycle because we're all Americans. We have to all be Americans to solve this problem. But as soon as anything happens, it's the race card. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. And,
1: you know, it's, I, I see one of the big, I see some of the biggest problems in our society is <clears throat> entitlement and um what's the other thing entitlement and uh, uh the lack of
2: accountability I mean there's so many people uh that don't want to take accountability and would rather play the race card I mean it's
3: it's disgusting it really is uh, And there are elected there, officials and that's the problem I'll Go
2: I'll go go ahead Dr. Brach
3: I was just saying, but the, the biggest problem is, is many of those are, are elected officials, and they propagate this. They want this to be out there, and right. that's you're unfortunate.
2: Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Eric, go ahead.
4: Yeah, this is a problem that's been going on since the 60s. Um, Lyndon Johnson, as we know, was pretty much a racist uh, Democrat. He He said, you know, if we do certain things, we can keep the Negro race under our thumb for decades. So they came out with the uh, the Great Society and uh, the War on Poverty, and that, that allowed them to create all of these entitlement programs, welfare programs, to try to help people. Well, at $22 trillion later, this is what we're looking at right now. We're looking at a declining Los Angeles, a declining uh, San Francisco, a declining Chicago that had, like, 13 murders this weekend. We had three in California, 13 in a normal weekend in Chicago. Everybody's staring at us. You know, so what what you have is President Trump basically is a counterpuncher, so cummings had the uh the uh, Homeland security guy there in front of his committee and was just harassing him and dogging him and and making stuff up about the the detention centers on the border so you open up you open up Pandora's box, and President Trump basically said, "Hey, in English, all he said to him is, "Why don't you fix your city and we'll take care of the detention centers." That's all he said. And he, and like in uh, like he just said the 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 former mayor said, "Yeah, I can I can smell dead rats." You know, she's using God's name in vain on a on a TV broadcast about carcasses of animals. You know, you got people online saying, "Yeah, this is actually true. Look at our neighborhood." So, it's 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 a it's a weird it's a weird paradigm that the 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 progressives do not Care about the inter- urban areas. They don't because no, none of the urban areas. If you look at the wards in Houston, you know. If you look out here in Fresno, where I'm at, everywhere where there's an urban area, it, it's 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 either stagnant or declining. Now, President Trump's trying to open up uh, investment zones and enterprise zones to reinvest in them, but no, President Trump did not say anything racist. It was a simple. It was a simple. Hey, I'm lifting the veil on Baltimore. Look how ghetto it is. So, Cummings, go work on it. Leave the Border Patrol alone. That's all that happened.
1: Yeah. No, it's true. No, you're right. And,
2: you know, uh, it, it's disgusting how they can get away with, you know, saying that this is racist when, when it's really not. I mean, that that term is so overused and so overabused, I'll tell you. Um, Kevin, go ahead.
5: All right. i I very much with what's been said, and it's important to realize that according to our uh, uh, demographic statistics within Baltimore itself, it's only 62.8 uh, percent black, and you know, the rest is the other races. And it's important to realize that Trump is specifically talking about the immigration problem, this illegal immigration problem. Uh which are you know, vastly not, not black. They're coming from Guatemala, Honduras, Ecuador, Mexico. Um, and these people are not assimilating into our country, not uh, becoming Americans in, in value and behavior. And it's, it's really important to realize that this, this affects all Americans for this influx of illegals that are not assimilating. What we have in Maryland uh, is this uh, Medicare uh, or Medicaid is now being – given to these illegals uh, just for them existing. And uh, that drives up the prices for everyone else. Um, they're entering the workforce. They don't have any sort of e verified system. No one's enforcing the law uh, against these illegals working in the job market. And that lowers the wages for, for everyone else. I mean, that, that's awful. And they're entering the school systems where, you know, we have this no child left behind education system that is lowering the standards for absolutely everybody because we have, people who can't speak English, who can't do math, can't uh, function in uh, American standards, and it, it, I mean, there's so many different ways where they're entering the system and it's affecting everybody in a very detrimental way. And you, you can see it very clearly in the city of Baltimore. It's it's the hub of, of such terrible communities and uh, it's not even necessarily uh, the uh, illegal immigrants either. It's the, the liberals and the, the whole Democrat model that is failing our cities especially our cities and we have especially a fatherless epidemic we have a welfare system that incentivizes uh, these welfare queens you just where women are able to have kids from multiple fathers and collect money to do absolutely nothing uh just live off of welfare and you have kids growing up in broken homes and you know they involve themselves in crime and, and terrible behavior um and you got to remember, too, is like Trump has done more than any other president, any other uh, major figure to uh, stop MS-13 and all these other very vicious, terrible gangs. I mean, these, uh, if, if the law is not strong enough uh, to take down these criminal enterprises like these violent and drug-infused gangs, um, the cities are going to get worse and worse and worse. And uh, I would like to see a lot more involvement from uh, especially the, the federal government to enforce our laws. Uh, no state legislature has the ability to uh, subvert the Constitution, to subvert the way that a, Republican, uh, a republic functions, and to turn our, our cities into sanctuary cities and uh, bringing in people from all over the world that will not become Americans. And we're seeing it, it play out in real time how – they're giving these people driver's license. They're trying to get them to vote, and they're not voting for Republicans. And we have a whole uh, monolithic mainstream media complex that tells these people in the languages that they come from that it's the Republicans that are racist. We're the big problem. You know, we, you know, they'll get free stuff if they vote Democrat, and it's, it's really hard to, to beat that system unless we have some federal oversight – and to restore the the constitution uh back and uh, restore the rule of law
1: well th- yeah,
2: you're absolutely right you you're absolutely right, no very very well said, and you know it's uh it's definitely something we need to uh you know address strongly uh, let me let me introduce um second amendment advocate, gun spokesman, entrepreneur, musician, commentator, activist. And selling author Dan Wo, Dan, what are your thoughts on all this?
8: Hey, guys, how's everybody doing tonight? Um yeah, was, Kevin just uh, brought up a a point when he talked about the broken homes. um you know the Democrats they love uh you know welfare dependency because that keeps people uh, voting for them. You know that's a that's a thing that they can take away or threaten to take away um if they if people think that they're gonna want to vote for Republicans. So you know, they'll say the mean old Republicans will will take away your your benefits and things like that. So it's very important for Democrats to keep people uh dependent in especially in these inner cities. And that's why, and I think Kevin was just kind of kind of touching on this part where that's their single the single motherhood rate is so high because their people are incentivized monetarily uh to not have the father in the home. In other words, if the father's in the home they get less um you know, they'll get less uh benefit money and they'll get more money per kid right. that they have. Right. So so that that whole welfare system is a is a product of the Democrats and it works very well for them um for keeping people dependent and, you know, keeping uh keeping keeping the votes coming in. I wanted to touch again on the On on the other thing, the racist thing that they they said, um, I didn't see anything racist in in President Trump's tweets. I saw something about rat-infested, you know, clean up that mess. And the idea that Democrats can say that calling a place rat-infested is racist tells us a lot more about what the Democrats think about black people. If they consider that racist then then how do they connect those two things? How do they connect rat infested with black people? They're the racist ones. you know I don't understand how this gets tagged onto President Trump. He said nothing racist. there was nothing, and I read those tweets. there's nothing in those tweets it's right. it's the uh it's the thought process of the Democrats reading those tweets that's yeah. racist.
2: Right. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. No. You're absolutely right. And you know, it's it's one of those things where you know none of none of them take none of them take accountability. You know, the, the Democratic Party. I mean, the way they put blacks and other minorities in a box and they generalize and basically try to say what what they need and it, it it's sick. And then they've been they've been using them as a political pawn for several years. And, and, and it, it's just—it's pretty much the way they have them on on the leash now. I mean, obviously, it's more—it's a little more subtle than slavery and plantation days, but it's—it's it's no different in terms of control. I mean, that they, they—they have, uh, you know, that's why they get so many people from the black community to vote for them. They have all these things that yeah. they can offer. Yeah, you know, and it's sick. It really is sick, Dan
8: well and it's it's sick because what it is it's really a projection of their own thought process and this is something that you know sigmund freud uh, coined the coined the term projection a projection is really just uh i'm thinking something and i'm putting it on you and i'm saying that you're right. thinking the thing but it's actually right. me thinking it because how would i know what you're thinking if i yeah. wasn't thinking it myself in other words, you know, we see this in the gun conversation all the time. You know, oh well, you, you know, you gun owners, you want guns so you can go out and kill people, and, and you're gonna, you're gonna do, you're gonna do terrible things if you have a gun. You know, the gun is gonna make you kill, want to kill people. Well, this is a projection that comes from the anti-gun crowd, and these racist accusations are projections that come from the Democrats. <laughs> it's so once you understand projection and you understand how it works. You look at these yeah. people, and you go, I can't believe you just said that, because what you're right. saying about that person is really your own thoughts. You're revealing yourself to everybody. The problem is not everybody understands projection and how, and how it works.
2: Yeah, it's very true. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, we are going to take a quick commercial break, everybody, but we will be right back with Deputy State Director and Co-Chairman for the Trump campaign, Hunter Dworsky. Stay with us, everybody.
8: TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday's,
1: the home of endless apps. Endless absence, every night, 9 p.m. to close.
8: you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision, or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away.
6: Ask your
0: doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey, I tried the patch, they didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix.
9: Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I
1: can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me.
9: Talk to your doctor about Chantix.
1: <laughs> and we are back. Coast to coast, worldwide. The Rory Sauter Show. Listen
2: to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms, and everybody, if you miss me past clips, past episodes, or need 24/7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site the next nex gen usa And also remember, in about a month, we will be releasing the new 24/7 media network, and uh, we will be having many notable people doing their own shows, big names doing their own shows, and. Uh, I will be having my friend, America's Tupper Sheriff Joe Arpaio, and my friend Robert Spencer, the head of Jihad Watch, as the faces of the network. So a lot to look forward to, and I can't wait to share it with all of you. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show – I believe he's with us – Deputy State Director and Co-Chairman for the Trump campaign – sorry, sorry – Deputy State Director and Co-Chairman for the Trump campaign (laughs) and political uh, consultant Hunter Dworsky. Hunter, sorry, I – I lost my wording for a second. Nah.
10: <laughs> well, th- thank you so much for having me on. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be
2: with you. Absolutely. Well, it's great to have you here. Your first time on the show. Yeah. Uh, so please tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself, how it all started for you, and those different uh, uh, right. uh, chapters you've been Every- through, and all, all this good stuff. And now you're, you're working for Trump. Pretty
1: big stuff.
10: Yeah. So, it's, it's, honestly, it's, it was a roller coaster ride. Um, I did a little bit of work. Um, volunteer work for Joe Biden um, and the Obama campaign. Crazy, yes, it's crazy. My grandfather was a state director for Walter Mondale uh, and worked uh, for Bobby Kennedy. Uh, So I was raised as a Democrat. And then my uncle, who did a lot of consulting as well, uh, specifically for the RMC, said, you know what, I want you to come to D.C. for the weekend. He brought me to D.C., And he surprised me and took me to the White House, and I got to see George W. Bush walk to Marine One, and he showed me – and I actually got a tour of the RNC. And the funniest story about it is the guy that gave me the tour at the RNC was an intern named Sean Spicer, and I didn't realize that uh, until just recently because I was looking
2: through pictures.
10: But I've always been, you know, I, I was like, all right, I'm a Republican, and I got very involved with the Delaware Republican Party as an intern, and just one day, man, uh, two guys in suits came to the uh, the state headquarters in Delaware for the Republican Party and said, look, Mr. Trump is looking for an an energetic uh, young man uh, to help with the state of Delaware and the national Trump campaign, and I was hired and from there uh, in 2016, and it's been a roller coaster ride. Uh, as recently, I, I, you know, I did uh, RNC work on data in Delaware and throughout uh, all over the country. It was, you know, helping different clients. Um, and, you know, I'm, this is where I am at now. So I'm really uh, excited for 2020. Um, and, I, and I do want to share a quick story. Uh, I was actually in the – and this is kind of weird. It's all in the ballpark thrown out there. I was in the ER um, last week, and I was getting an office saying I wasn't feeling well, and the guy asked me what I did for a living, I kind of told him, and, and he said, you know, I, I voted for Trump, and I support Trump, and I said, oh, you must you know about the wall, and he's like, no, 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 it has nothing to do with the wall, I was like, okay, it's, it's probably about abortion, no, 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 he said, my son is 18 years old, and he had a full ride at Princeton, he... um was an excellent student. He played football, straight A's, on National Honor Society, did a lot of volunteer work. And he got mono, was sent home, and he was on video games and talked to the wrong person and went and picked up an um, informant, what would be fake uh, fentanyl uh, that was delivered from the Chinese. And he was arrested by the Department of Homeland Security and sentenced to a minimum of 10 years in federal prison where he is right now. But if you remember, Donald Trump signed the First Step Act, and now instead of facing 10 years in prison for something an 18-year-old does something stupid, he's now serving maybe five years in prison or less. And that's exactly why I think these kinds of things is why President Trump will be reelected in 2020, because it's not just – I mean, we can get all into the noise about what he tweets or whatever he thinks, but we, we get down to the vine of everything. It's Trump is affecting everyday people's lives, whether they're african American, whether they're Chinese, whether they're, it doesn't matter. All different cultures, he is, he is bringing the promises that he made, and, and he's keeping his promises. And, and I'm telling you, it, you know, I was at the Salute to America event. I saw more Me people too? there than I saw... Fourth of July. Was what's great. that? I
2: drove all the way from Arizona. It was I drove all the way from Arizona.
10: There was more. So I worked at the inauguration. I did a lot. I helped, I helped with a lot of stuff at inauguration, disperse, uh, dispensary tickets and everything. And there was more people there at the Switch America than way more. And it, it just shows that he is now connecting to more Americans than he did three years ago. And I think people are coming around. Honestly, I, I talked to Kellyanne Conway uh, not too long ago, and she – every time I see her, she, you know, she knows I'm from Delaware. So uh, the, the obvious thing that comes up is Joe Biden, and, I, and I'll tell you this. My family is very close to the Bidens. My grandfather worked with Joe Biden, and Joe Biden you – know, everybody knows Joe Biden in Delaware. But the president, from what I was told, thinks he's going to blow out Joe Biden. They're all a little nervous that you – know, but, but I'll tell you, but Trump, he's a smart guy. Uh, he's obviously, um, you know, like I said, he's keeping his promises and, he, and he's staying on point. And it's just the little things. Everybody gets so caught up in, oh, you is know, this racist? You know, it, it just—it's ridiculous. Let's look at what he's done instead of what he's said in the talk, okay? Because really, what's going on, and, and, and the way that I, you know, from working for Trump and understanding how he, you know, how he thinks. A lot of this is he is go- – the Democrats are really stupid. They are really stupid because what's, good, what's happening right now is Trump is making the Democrat Party rally around those four morons, and what's going to happen is Trump's going to say to the American people, if, if, if you want that – our country to go the direction of the poor squad, vote for them. If you want to leave socialism – and you want to continue to keep America great, come with me. And I'm telling you, just, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to manipulate the media every single time, and they continue to take the trap. So uh, we're very, I think everybody's excited. A- as a consultant right now, we have plenty of 2020 uh, congressional candidates across the country, specifically one I know in Delaware, which we really need to elect more pro-Trump candidates because, I mean, as much as I love the Republican Party. There are a lot of people that just don't have a background, and there's right. one no guy named Lee Murphy. is Lee Murphy, uh, he, he, he ran for Congress last year. He lost in a primary uh, to a freak – that was a freak primary. guy named Scott Walker ran uh, in, in Delaware, and I guess people thought he was the governor of Wisconsin. I don't know what happened, but Lee is a strong um, candidate. He's a pro-Trump guy. He worked for Amtrak for many, many years. And that's the kind of candidates that we need, people that that aren't all about, you know, billions of dollars. Engineer for a train wants to run for Congress and represent the people of Delaware. Those are the kind of candidates that we need, people that are going to go to D.C. and support the president. Um, So, you know, I I think everybody's excited. I'm sure you're excited, Rory. You know know I am. Uh, um, You know, my future is bright. Uh, I still haven't. Made the determination of what I'm going to be doing, uh, and, you know, Further down the road, obviously, I think Trump 2020 is where I'm going to continue to be at. But right now, um, my focus is getting on this plane and in is, is four hours to Los Angeles and going on vacation. <laughs> so, so that, no, I uh, hear
2: that's where I'm at. <laughs> I hear, I hear
1: you.
2: So. I hear you. And I do got, yep. I do got some questions for you. So, were you, yes, were you ahead. raised? Were you raised to be a concert Were you like raised a conservative Democrat, like a like kind of a moderate? Yes.
10: Yes. So my okay. my parents uh, are both Roman Catholic. Uh, we actually, uh, my family, part of my so family okay. actually goes to the same churches. Like JFK
2: Like a JFK Democrat. Yes.
10: Yes, and I'm a big okay. JFK fan. You know, and I believe that that was the old party. My grandfather. And his brother, who we were both, uh, my grandfather was national delegate, and my great uncle was national delegate. They tell me every single time, they both voted for Donald Trump. I'll tell you, this in a, in a- and they said the Democrat Party is not what it used to be. Right, and I'm assuming, I'm assuming they voted yeah.
2: for Reagan too, Reagan Democrats.
10: Uh, yes, they did, they did, they they voted for Ronald Reagan. I'm pretty sure. I have to get on that with my grandfather, but I can tell you, he is uh, on the Trump 2020. Uh, I, 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 every time I see him, I drop off a bumper sticker. Anytime kind I of get something from the campaign or the Delaware GOP office, I I, I grab something and, and drop it off there. He's a very he's a big Trump guy now. So. Right,
2: right. And what do you what is yeah. your family? And what do you think of Biden going so far left? I mean, how do you you know you guys know him pretty well? What 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 is your thoughts yeah. thoughts behind kind of him selling himself yeah. out and going this to the
10: communist yeah, you know, stance? No. I was I was listening to my dad uh, last week, and he's like, "Well, what we don't understand is, you know, we're in Delaware, so we, we're all in the loop. We know, you know, we know a lot about Joe and the good and the bad and the ugly. But here's where I'm going to tell you: He just got a beach house in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Just it's beautiful. It's in Cape Henlopen. It's it's right after, It's in the Rehoboth Beach area. He just built it. It was a three point five million dollar beach house, and my dad's like, why would you run? Why? You have, you have all these beautiful grandchildren. You don't need, you've done, you done your 40-plus years in public service. There's good things that Joe Biden has done, and there's things that are regrettable. The prison, uh, the, the criminal justice stuff that he's done with Hillary Clinton. There's things that, he, there's regrettable things, but there's things that he's done good. I just don't understand why he would even attempt to even get in it, because, I mean, I've heard from people from, for us, his voice he said, I don't think I just said I can beat Trump but I don't think I can win the primary. If you don't think you're gonna win the primary, why run? And I think what it is is the last ditch effort of the original Democrat Party to try to salvage what is now completely destroyed and they have no home. Okay, they have no home. They've got four people that are literally activists that hate our country they don't like it they don't see the country as me and you do rory i mean obama did not see the country like we do okay it's the same thing with them but they're even more extreme i think they're more extreme than
2: barack obama ever was so yeah well and, and yeah. tell me you know tell, tell me what you think uh about you know i didn't get your thoughts about this whole situation with baltimore i mean it's like, yeah. you know, any, yeah. any, any, any time or any chance the Democrats get to call, try to call Trump a racist, they do it. And there's nothing racist yeah. about what oh, he yeah. said. He was pointing out the facts.
10: No, no. And no, listen, Baltimore is very, and before I say anything, I don't want to insult anybody that's maybe listening in Baltimore, but Baltimore is very dear to my heart. And I'll tell you, my dad worked in the NFL. He worked for the Baltimore Ravens through MBA, which used to be a big bank company. That uh, that you know that actually was sold to Bank of America. So I, I actually was in Baltimore a lot growing up, and I'm gonna tell you this: it has gotten worse. It has gotten worse. I literally met a friend there about a month ago, and it was so bad. I, you know, growing up, right where the you go to the Oriole Stadium. You go three blocks from Oriole Stadium. It is a it is a third world country. I mean, people are there. There are there are needles on the ground. In Baltimore, and I just think that again, the Democrats are in a last-ditch effort to try to win 2020. So they're they're going to pick apart everything the president says and say, oh, he's racist, and try to try to connect with maybe just a few people, uh, you know, to say, oh, they still believe he's racist. And I think again, the president is giving them bait, and they're taking the bait every single time. And I just I, I, for me, when he said, honestly, when he said that and the people were freaking out, I just, honestly, I just turned the TV channel into something else because I, it's just so ridiculous because it's the truth. I you know my thing is, I would love to call Elijah Cummings and say, hey, man, let's go walk down in, 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 this, in the city of Baltimore, me and you, buddy. Let's go walk down in, in the city of Wilmington, also known as Murdertown, USA. Let's go to Compton and let's go walk together. Those places are controlled by Democrats. Detroit, you know Chicago. They are all controlled by the Democrat Party, and they are terrible. They are terrible. I drove from Seattle to, to Delaware, and I got lost in yeah uh, in Lower Chicago. And I tell you, I was scared to death. I thought I thought I was in Iraq. It was that bad. There, you know, it's a it, it's it's not a coincidence that the Democrats are controlling these areas because they don't care. They care about one thing, and that's their boots. That's all they care about. This is the same reason why the illegals are coming over. Look, Obama, eight years ago, or more than eight years, 16 years ago, or whatever it was, said on stage with Hillary Clinton that he blamed George W. Bush and said George Bush wasn't doing enough for illegal immigration. And now, all of a sudden, Trump's racist because he wants to put a fence or build, build a wall down the southern border. And again, Democrats are all talk. And no action. And you can look into the inner cities around our country and you can see that.
2: And, you know, you bring up a lot of good points. And and, and you mentioned about, you know, the whole moderate Democrat, you know, uh, you know, situation. And, I mean, explain, you know, I I mean, I'm looking around and, you know, everything I'm seeing uh, from the left is, you know, is scaring uh, the people yeah. that are, are, you know, in the center away because, you know, even though they might yeah. be moderate and they might not agree with everything yeah. Trump does, it's a hell of a lot better yeah. for them uh, and you know, than voting for communism tactics. You know, they'd rather bite their tongue yeah. and, yeah. you know, just deal with Trump even though they don't agree with everything, but I will say this, like, if you look at, you know, uh, the open borders policy, if you look at yeah. slavery yeah. reparations, if you look at free health care for all. You know, that, that's not the moderate way, and that's what's really turning these moderates away from the new Democratic Party that's currently exactly. there. They don't want to associate yes. themselves with this nonsense because, you know, yes. and I've always, I've always you know, said on my show, at least the Dem- – you know, I, don't, I haven't always agreed with the Democratic Party, but at least they were at, at once upon a time something of substance. At least they had something to yes. offer. Now it's just nothing but yes. rhetoric – and you know, trying to give out all of this free stuff. So, how badly do you think uh, this is affected? You know, how how badly do you think the Democrats are affected uh, by by the moderates? I mean, how many moderates do you think have probably left the party? I mean, do, I mean, what what are I, you saying? I think
10: it's worth I for, for you know, as, and on a data standpoint, uh, and I work with a lot of data. Uh, there are a lot of Democrats, moderate Democrats are now coming at least to the independent aisle and saying, you know, the Democrat party has, they, they list, people are walking away from the Democrat party. And I, I'm going to tell you now, uh, I, I listened to the, uh, a, a Republican or Democrat party chair. And he told me, he's like, man, I am really, really nervous because we are having people now are not showing up to meetings anymore. And this is local. So Everybody gets so focused on national issues and stuff. But even in the lower area, in the grassroots areas of our country, Democrats are not showing up to events. Now it's being filled with leftists, communists, socialists that really want to change the party. And I'm telling you, you our Republican Party numbers are growing. I mean when I worked – when I was an intern for the Delaware Republican Party – and, and I talked to people all over the country and other Republican parties, state, state parties, and they said the amount of Democrats would come in and say, hey, what can I do to register as a Republican? And I think one of the things that the Republican Party was weak on, I think, before during the Romney area, is not galvanizing and trying to get people to cross over. And I think we're seeing more moderates come over. But I do want to say one thing, and, and I think what's really – when I talk to moderates, um, and, and what bothers what them the most is that the Democrat Party is so focused on impeaching Trump. And if you remember when the Bill Clinton era happened with his impeachment hearings and everything, it backfired on Republicans because that's the Republicans only focused on Bill Clinton. And I'm going to tell you now, uh, talking to the RNC and I've I talked to plenty people at the RNC, their focus is not really on the White House because we, I, 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 from what I've heard and what I see, I think the White House is pretty – we feel very – I think everybody feels confident about the White House. But let me tell you, I think we're going to take back the House, and, the, and we're going to keep the Senate. And I think that's very, very important. And I think as we're seeing our registration numbers get rise, I think it's because a lot of moderates are crossing over. And, and listen, it's very hard on a data standpoint because a lot of Democrats aren't really – there's a lot of them that aren't switching their affiliation, and they're just hitting the red button, and we can't see that. But I think that in 2020, there's going to be a lot of indication that a lot of Democrats... I, I would not be surprised if we had more Democrats come over than they did in 2016. And I know a lot of uh, other conservatives would disagree. A lot of people are saying this election upcoming could be close. Uh, I, I actually see um, Kamala Harris probably going to be, the, in my opinion, will be the nominee. And I think Trump oh, will get no. over
1: 350
10: uh, over 350 electoral votes. And I And I... I wouldn't be surprised. I do not think Joe Biden will be the nominee. Um, and I think – and that will, that will be the, the last that – will, that will be it for the moderate. If Biden is not the nominee, Donald Trump will win in a landslide, period. Yeah.
2: Well, do you really think it's going to be Kamala Harris, or, or do you think Pocahontas? Because Pocahontas is looking good in the polls just, right now.
10: It well, it, she is. And, and I think – also, I think the polls are skewed. Um, because when when I was working on the campaign, uh, they always we, we you know I, I talked to my, my former boss Rob Rob who's a very good guy. He ran for U.S. Senate last year. He was the chairman for Delaware, um, and uh, you know he he would always tell us don't look at the polls, don't go to the polls. And I think the polls are really really out of touch. I would say this if if I'm Donald Trump, and I know a lot of people start, like they're yelling at me like you're insane. Uh, Mayor Pete is a very unique individual. Um, he, is, he, 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 he is somebody to me that I would be concerned if he ran against Trump. I don't think – I don't think – I think Trump would win, but I just think that he's the type of person that, can, that could probably keep some moderates to stay in the Democrat aisle because he's more of like – he makes himself appear as a common-sense Democrat. Right. And and I just I I just don't see anybody beating Trump. Um, You know, yeah. But I my my opinion, I just think Kamala Harris. uh, She 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 the more the the person that attacks Trump the most will probably be the nominee because, you know, the Democrats
2: are pissed off. And that's what I said on the show before. And that's what I said on the show before. I said, You know, who the person that's going to win the nomination is the person that's going to attack Trump, Trump the most, and And exactly the left, yeah, and that's that's what the voters are looking for. I mean, these voters on the far left are so hostile, so radical. Yeah, you know, it's like some of them have forgotten about policy and put all their focus on trying to impeach the president. I mean, and the problem is these these Democrat politicians keep leading them on.
10: It's just, it's and the thing that bothers me the most, and and uh, one of my consulting uh, friends is, was really passionate about this. Is Democrats are so focused on the impeachment. But like when I when I I got an Uber, I have to tell you, I was in Uber in D.C. and one of the, the the woman that was driving, I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, but I I am so afraid for my child to walk to school and not be shot. And, and, and the Democrats are worried about impeachment. But instead, we've got people being shot in the inner cities, and they do nothing about it. They stay in D.C., and, and that's it. Nancy Pelosi is, is always in Washington, D.C. They don't go back home because they don't want to go home, because if they go home, they're ready to the, hear from the constituents. How do they get elected? I don't know. But I want to tell you this, Rory, uh, and, and I, I'm, Donald Trump will win 2020, and I am, I am willing to bet all my money that I barely have all, all on it. So, uh, uh, you know, I think uh, from knowing uh, Brad Pascal um, and uh, all the good people, John Pence, uh, that are really, really effective for the Trump campaign, I mean, you could see that there's a huge change in the campaign, uh, whether it's marketing, whether it's data. Uh, I think the RNC has done a fantastic job on raising money, we raised more money in a month than any of the Democrat candidates have, have raised so far, um, and we're, we're raising a money machine. We have victory um, organizations in al- almost every single state across the country um, that are galvanizing and building an army of volunteers. I, I think the Trump 2020 campaign is doing a really good job. Uh, for all you conservatives out there and Republicans that are somewhat maybe concerned about Trump losing, I, I can tell you – uh, with the leadership with, that we have at the Trump campaign right now, I think we're uh, we're really uh, having
2: a, uh, a bright future. No, so I, I I agree. I agree. And you know what what is it like, man? Tell tell us what it's like being around Trump and being around this environment. I mean, you know what? Well, <laughs> well, I'm it's very.
10: I tell you, now he's now he's president. So. Uh, It is a, it is very hard to see, Uh, you know, it's a different scenario, but I I tell you, I did have the opportunity to be around him um, in, in 2016, particularly in Pennsylvania. It was surreal. He's very, very charming guy. Um, He, uh, he, you know, he had the opportunity of meeting my mother uh, and it was a very, very cool time. I enjoyed every minute of it. I mean, I would say it's the best part of my life, but you know, I, I was, Honestly, Rory, I didn't know where at that point in life. I didn't know what direction I was going. Going, and I, I wanted to complete college. Uh, college wasn't for me. Uh, I had such a great passion for for politics, and you know, and I, I here, here's the thing, and this is the coolest. I tell everybody this. I was the first Delaware Trump guy. Mitt Romney came to Delaware and had a town hall on CNN uh, at a steel factory. I went. I was. I probably around 16 or 17 years old, and I, my, I had a question, and I asked about Donald Trump, uh, and he agreed on the OPEC, uh, OPEC or whatever it is called, um, whether you know they're ripping off the United States, but I've been a Trump guy forever, and when I had the opportunity to, to represent and work for candidate uh, Trump, uh, it, was, uh, it was a dream job for me. Uh, my family was extremely supportive. Uh, I know that has my mom listening on now and I thank my mother for uh, all the help that she did for me. And I say, we had people living in our house from the Trump campaign. Um, just, you know, one of them slept in my sister's bed. So, you know, we had to move my sister somewhere else. She had to sleep with my grandma. So, you
1: know,
10: uh, it was a fun time. Uh, and I look forward to doing it again. Um, and hopefully uh, we can be in a hotel rather than uh, in, my, in my own house. But, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool job, um, uh, working there. Um, and I look forward to doing it again. Uh, and you know, know, unfortunately Kellyanne's not going to be on the campaign and a lot, a lot of different people that were on it in 2016 aren't going to be there again, because obviously they're either working at the White House or they're a consultant like me. Um, and, uh, we just, uh, I think, uh, it is a if anybody my age or younger is out there, I, I tell you all you got to do is be an intern, work your ass off, you know, and and, and pick up the phone, make phone calls, prove yourself, and and you will rise in the ranks. So.
2: Yeah, oh, man, very well said. And you know what I want to yeah. ask you is, what what's a typical yeah. day like? I mean, get going on the campaign trail with yeah. What what is it? Explain what's it yeah. like. So so I, I so as. A, W state director for, for, uh, for Delaware. I did a lot of
10: work in Delaware and also a lot of work in Eastern Pennsylvania. Um, and because part of you know, being in Delaware is very, very unique because you got Maryland, Virginia, you know, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and that Eastern part of Pennsylvania is literally where he won the national election. Uh, my boss, yep. Justin Arlett, he was the state director was actually moved as a, up to Pennsylvania as a deputy director. And I always joke with him is he's the real reason why Donald Trump won in 2016 because of his efforts. Um, and it was just a uh, awesome opportunity, but my day was very, it was basically waking up at six o'clock in the morning uh, and staying up till the following four o'clock in the morning, being two hours of sleep. Uh, we were always doing lots of grassroots work uh, going to all the offices, and also helping with getting VIPs to all the Trump rallies. Uh, it was always good to see because, you know, I, you know, you got people that are very, very passionate about him, and then to send them, you know, within three feet of him, and to see the smiles on their face, it's just, it, it brings a lot of cheer in your heart. Uh, but I, I will tell you, it's not an easy job. It's, it's a bloody sport. And, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, like I said, I encourage uh, anybody that. You know, has a lot of energy to go ahead and follow your dreams and, and campaigning. You know, um, I, I, and now I have a lot of experience with it. it it's putting up. Listen, the deputy state director of the Trump campaign has been put up four by eight across Delaware and Pennsylvania. So <laughs> it's it, like again, it's a very hands-on job, um, and it's uh, an interesting
2: job. Well, yeah, and man, I I, I love it. I mean, it, it really sounds like a dream come true, and. You know, yeah. um I'll tell you he's 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 unbelievable you know when he's on the campaign trail, there's some noise in the background yeah. What's that oh, there was some noise in your background, but there's not any more yeah, right, yeah, for a second nah, but, I got, I got it. yeah, yeah, uh but I'll tell you the way he campaigns, man, and he goes city to city, it's unbelievable. This guy will do three to four yeah. rallies in a day,
10: yes. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. If he's 70, I think he's 73
2: or 74 now.
10: I, I, honestly, there was one time where he went to, like, four different states in one day. And I tell you, me just going to, from here, from here to, to Delaware, from D.C. to Delaware, it takes a lot out on me. This guy gets on, you know, an airplane, goes to, you know, Florida, Ohio, Wisconsin, and then finishes up in Michigan at 11 o'clock at night for 11 o'clock rally. Which was like a day or two before the election. I honestly, the, the guy has a lot of passion for our country. Um,
1: he listen, he
10: lost. I think over a billion dollars eventually at the end of this, at, at the end of his term, he probably have lost over a couple billion dollars from from running for president. There was no other reason. I think the best story though, will actually make me really want to work for Trump. Is there was a story
1: where? Um, hold on a second. There was a a little noise. There's a little noise. Give me one second. Sorry about that. There's a. I'm actually in the airport, and there's a machine running around me. But um,
10: I think the best story I can tell you that from from me, is Trump, um, was driving in his limousine in New York, and he pulled over. He had a flat tire, and a couple went over and fixed his tire for him. And the guy was saying, Mr. Trump, you know, it's so honor meeting you. And, you know, my house up for foreclosure. And, you know, me and my wife are going through a really tough time. And then a couple of days later, a basket of flowers came in, and Trump said, I paid off your entire uh, uh, your mortgage. And, and that, that, the guy has a huge heart. And I just think people are missing it, and they, they just don't. He, he's he's a New Yorker, man. They they, they don't they're not sugarcoaters. So, um, no. but yeah, I, I just I have so much passion for him. Uh, I, I read his books when I was younger. My mother used to tell me anything. There was a rich guy in New York that anything he touched turned to gold, and I thought that was fascinating as a kid. Um, but it's it really is cool to to see this guy, you know, as old as my grandfather, going to four different states and talking to over 10,000 people, but I think the reason why he's able to do that is the amount of energy, and me going to, I, I've seen him speak countless, countless times and been, and been up close to him and, see, and seen how he interacts with people, and it's, he feeds off the energy, so if you're going, if people that are listening, if you're going to the Trump rallies, man, he, you're helping him, cheer him on, he loves yes. it, I, I can tell you, I Great. hear from different people that actually work with him day to day, and it's very helpful.
3: Great.
2: Absolutely, I want to ask you, what do you, yeah. what do you make, what do you think of the Antifa organization? And you know, obviously they're yeah. part of the left, they're part of the Democratic uh, Party, and you know, Trump, Trump wants to classify them as a terrorist organization. Absolutely. What are your
10: thoughts on that absolutely. group?
1: Absolutely.
10: You know, I was I was actually in Washington D.C. walking uh, on the uh, on Pennsylvania Avenue, and and one of them came up to me and called me a Nazi as I was standing next to my Jewish friend that was wearing a Make America Great Again hat uh, and called him a Nazi too. <laughs> we were looking at it, and he's like, he's Nazi. How he? How? I mean, he's, uh, he's Jewish. How is he a Nazi? Um, and, and they came up and threatened me and everything. And, and I, I watched them, and they are no different than white supremacists. They are no exactly. different than hate groups. They should be classified as a terrorist group. I, I, there's no doubt about it. we weather underground. Uh, that was ran many 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 years ago. Bill Ayers, uh, I was an activist group. Bill Ayers, he was uh, let's just say, as Trump would say, is a, one of Obama's best friends and a roommate. Same thing uh, with them, terrorist group. So Antifa should be marked as a terrorist group, no doubt about it.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's yeah. get uh, let's go let's go to Doctor Branch. Doctor Branch, go
7: ahead. Yes, hi, thanks.
2: Being
3: on the uh, show uh, out in Arizona, we have uh, Drew Sexton as our uh, as our uh, state uh, Trump person, and I know he's working a lot out here to help the president get elected, too. So thank you for what you're doing. Now, as a Pittsburgh boy, I don't know what's worse, working for Obama Biden or being a Baltimore Ravens fan, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I'd like to know when, whenever I see Biden, um, especially, you know, in front of the cameras, um, you know, trying to make a point, it doesn't look like his heart is really in it, especially having to say a lot of the far left rhetoric. It's almost like he doesn't believe what's even coming out of his mouth. Uh, since you all you know, since your family, you know, is tied to him and that. I, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. And also how do we get more moderates and how do we get more millennials out here to vote for President Trump?
1: You still you still
10: there? Yeah, I you know what, it cut out for a minute. I I I didn't, I, he was talking and they cut out. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm in a bad area in the airport, but what, what was your question again?
3: Uh, well, my, my question basically is uh, I, I just wanted to get your take on, you know, yes. whether or not you feel Joe Biden really does yes. uh, believe okay. the far left rhetoric uh, that no. his party is forcing him to say, but also how do we get more millennials and more moderates on the, uh, president Trump's side? I, well, right
10: now, well, I answer your question uh, on the Biden thing. Uh, knowing and seeing Joe Biden, uh, I think Biden. Honestly, uh, it's funny. Joe Biden's brother said that all the Bidens voted for Trump. Uh, <laughs> so, I, my personal opinion, uh, and being around Joe Biden my entire life, is Biden. I think thinks. I think Biden's being pushed by the DNC. The 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 insiders of the DNC that are part of the, I would say, the real resistance. Um, And I I just think this whole thing is a – I I just don't think it's real. Because, like I said, I'm not sitting here saying that I would vote for Joe Biden, but I know Joe Biden. This is not Joe Biden. You know, Joe Biden is part of the old Democrats, and this is not even close to it. Now, talking about the millennials, uh, Charlie Kirk is doing a fantastic job with engaging uh, young millennials –
9: to what's
10: that? Turning
2: Point USA. I said is the name of his brand. Yes,
10: Turning Point USA. And and I, I'll tell you, uh, the college Republicans uh, are are I would like to see them be more effective, but Charlie has really uh, galvanized on that. Ryan Fourier, who uh, I know, um, started a organization called Students for Trump, and they recently joined with Turning Point USA. So. You know, Donald Trump Jr. has been really, really working with Charlie and trying to get a lot of millennials engaged. He's been going to different uh, campuses. He was at the University of Missouri. Uh, He was at Penn State just recently, a couple of months ago. So I think that's what – that is the game plan for – I think Trump campaign is trying to get those guys uh, involved, whether it's canvassing um, or anything like that. But I I just – there's – you know, I was just working as a consultant. Um, there is a young gentleman named Boris Um, uh, Boris, if you, if you don't remember, was a uh, kid from New Jersey. that ran for class president, and he made a shirt that said, Make Hemdale School Great Again. And yeah. he was an honor student and everything, and the National Honor Society declined him because it was too, like, too much like Trump. And Boris started an organization called High Schoolers for Freedom, and now he's got i believe every state has a state director and now he's galvanizing high school students that are indoctrinated with liberal agendas by the teachers and so i think right now like i said 4 years ago this was never happening 4 years later i feel, like i said i think the rnc and turning point usa are really really doing a good job with galvanizing millennials to help trump win in 2020 and also uh, congressional intent
2: candidates. Yeah, oh, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right, now. Yeah. Kevin, go ahead. Or, or oh, it's great Bray, to speak with,
5: with you. you. I know you. Have... Oh, yeah. Uh, I know. Okay, well, a a uh, great... oh, well, go ahead. You got it. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a, it's a really great to speak for, uh, to you right now, and um, you seem to have a lot of. Uh, perspective on definitely the Democrats and the Republicans and uh, the strategy that uh, both have really used yeah. especially when it comes to the uh, presidential uh, campaigns and uh, yeah. I've noticed that uh, President Trump has had a, like, a large series of different uh, movements like the, the Black which is the Black exit we have the Lexit, yeah. the Latino exit uh, we had the yeah. Exit for uh, the Jewish Exit I'd I'd wonder if there's going to be any more exits from the Democratic Party. And one in particular that (laughs) I was curious to to hear from you if uh, if it would exist is if there would be like a Wexit party, like the white exit, since the Democrats have been extremely anti white and have been essentially treating their uh, their own white, uh, yeah, their own party members that are white. As second-class yeah. citizens and as oppressors yeah. and yeah. Uh, terrible people, and so according to the statistics, actual voting statistics uh, that you could you could find, um, it shows that if white people did not vote, if just n- no white person voted, every single state yeah. would be Democrat. Um, yeah. What do you think about a you know trying to appeal more to white people?
10: Well, I think uh, first of all, I, I you know I think a lot of that, and and I think so many people are focused on different demographics rather than just the American people. And I think one of the things that's unique about Trump um, is, for many many years, as someone that studied political science and understands politics, is Hillary Clinton, uh, Romney. Uh, uh, you know, different presidential candidates always focus. The campaign manager would say, "Okay, so you need 10% of African Americans, you need 10% of Latinos, you need 20% of whites." The thing that was unique about Donald Trump is he never did that. What he did is he had his own base with all different types of people, and he knew that as long as he had that base, he would get over that threshold of electoral votes. And going back to what you're saying about, about whites, I don't think it matters. I mean, it, it matters, but I, I don't see the campaign doing that because we have the walkaway campaign that's going on that's been uh that's really really cool to see. Uh, and but you know we don't have you don't have to do that because guess what? They're coming over anyway. Uh, but uh, like I said, I think people are also losing focus that yes, whites are now you know called nasty and uh, that we're all racist. I mean, look what happened when Obama ran for president. Uh, if you didn't vote for Obama or you didn't support him, you're a racist. You know? And that's, that's a problem. And I think back to what you're saying, yes, I, I think there is, I, I think not only are minorities um, separated, I think uh, white Caucasians right now are also being attacked because they support Donald Trump. Uh, but it's, it's very interesting, though, uh, even when African Americans are wearing Trump hats. They're, they're accused of being racist too. So it doesn't matter whether you're black or white. You're racist. You support Donald Trump, you're racist. And I've seen that firsthand, you know, working on the campaign and talking to different people that come into the offices. It, it's not just a white or black thing. It's everybody uh, is um, definitely uh, feeling the, the racism part. All right. Thank yeah.
1: you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh
8: let's go to Dan Dan go ahead. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about how the uh Democrats really uh categorize people uh in in groups just so they can uh use them for votes. I mean when you think about it they they take all the minority groups. see it was around two thousand eleven where Democrats abandoned the the white middle class uh worker because they realize that if they were to if they were to collect all the minority groups together they could eventually outvote uh white you know middle class republicans and uh, that's exactly what they're doing so that's why we're seeing so much of the racism stuff and the, and and the, the sexism stuff and all these things that categorize people and bring those groups over to the Democrat side. But it's only going to last for so long because those people are going to eventually get smart and realize that they're really just being used for votes. And uh, it's, uh, it's it's like you have the, the walk-away uh, campaign. You have... You have a lot of people leaving the Democratic Party because they don't want to be used anymore, and I think there's a lot of black people, and you know they're doing the same thing. Candace Owens is uh, is leading a a whole new movement of of black people leaving the Democratic Party, and she's saying, "Hey, look, we're being used," and um, you know people are starting to realize it. So uh, I don't think it can last forever. I mean, I really don't. It's re it's reached a like a heightened uh, state now, and I think the bubble's either going to burst. Um, something, something's got to happen here because people cannot be um, manipulated and used as puppets for that long. You know, uh, the the gay community, the black community, you know, women in general. Um, I don't know how women can tolerate listening to this. Uh, stuff that comes from from the uh, you know the sexist uh, you know the 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 the, um, the feminist movement. I don't know how they can tolerate it because it's really so toxic uh, and so hostile. Um, so eventually, I think people are going to get smart and start to leave the Democrats and and even the young kids. We talked about you guys touched on the younger generation, um, millennials and stuff. I know some. Of these young kids, uh, just in just out of high school into college, that are into politics, and they're starting to um, abandon the Democrat because kids are kids are defiant in general, which is a good thing because that's why I think I think this is going to be somewhat of a cyclical thing where kids will defy the Democrats and go toward you know toward more conservative. Uh, conservative ideology. I think things will start to turn around. Uh, I don't think the Democrats can hold on to this number of people for very long um, knowing that everything that they're doing is based on lies and division and racism and all these fake causes. So so I think there's good news in the future. I hope. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic here. Uh, but I, I think uh, people will eventually Uh, come to their senses
2: no i agree i agree 100 percent um but uh hunter we love we'd love to have you on hunter uh, but please we'll have you back soon. please tell everybody where they can connect with you um and you know all that good stuff well first of all uh thank
10: you so much rory for having me on um, it is a true honor, and I, I don't really uh, normally uh, go on uh, any type of radio or podcast ever. Uh, the Trump campaign, when I was working there in 2016, like to keep me hidden because I had too much of – I run my mouth too much. Uh, I like Trump a little bit but because uh, I'm very open about what I do. Um, but you can follow me on my LinkedIn, Hunter Gordon Dworski, and you can also uh, follow me on my Facebook page. I'd be happy to add you. We can connect. Um, and so, I, like I said again, Rory, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, again, if any of you guys want to get involved in the Trump campaign or volunteer, make sure you go to www.donaldjtrump.com uh, and just click the uh, Join the Team, Volunteer, and you either apply for jobs there too. So, uh, if you're if you're interested in, in pursuing a problem in the campaign or volunteering or joining a victory team or whether you want to help with fundraising, make sure you go to that website and. I'm sure he uh, would really appreciate it.
2: Absolutely, my friend. Well, thank you for coming yeah. on. And uh, yeah. we're going to take a quick commercial, but I will have you back again soon. Appreciate it.
10: Thank you, man. Thank you, Roy. All
2: right.
10: We'll
1: be right back, everybody. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation?
10: Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees
0: how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaysSecurity.com
10: for our workplace violence prevention and training classes, or
1: call 240-888-0682.
2: Hello everybody, this is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else, and all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sauter from The Rory Sauter
2: Show.
9: I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production.
2: And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the Next, N-E-X, Gen, G-E-N, usa.com. Also remember, in about a month, we will be releasing the new 24-7 network, having many notable people doing their own shows, and uh, my good friend, America's Toughest Sheriff Joe Arpaio, and my good friend, Robert Spencer, the director of Jihad Watch, both of those guys will be the main faces of the network, so we're very excited, a lot to look forward to. Um, so, uh, what a great guest, though, Hunter Hunter's Hunter Dworsky. Uh, thank you. Uh, loved having him on; he was fantastic.
1: A lot more to get into tonight. I want to. I want to get into next um, the situation with 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 Gilroy, Gilroy, California, yesterday. Well, actually, before
2: I get to that, the shooting. I, I want to just make some quick announcements that are in the news. Um, President Trump signed the uh, September 11th victim. Compensation fund bill today, which is good. Basically, that funds our first responders and heroes for many, many more years. And you know, in my strong opinion, I mean, you know, they put their entire lives on the line and did. They went above and beyond and uh, did things that nobody else would do, and only things, only things that we can only imagine. And uh, you know, to me, this should have never been a question. I mean, the, the 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 stuff our government spends the money on, like just the stupid stuff, compared to you know, serious and important stuff like this. You know, I mean, this this is just like a given. I mean, this shouldn't even have been a, a discussion. I mean, these people, you know, you know, went through hell and, and sacrificed so many things uh, to to help us Americans. I'll tell you, a beautiful thing. And I'm glad I'm glad I got funded. Um, another big thing, which which you know, I think we need to discuss uh, here in a second, but. Uh, the the Obama book deal that President Trump is basically right now he's saying that he wants to look in into Obama's trippy book deal because we all know Obama uh, the Obamas got this book deal and it was the richest book contract of all time I think it was like seventy million or something something overly ridiculous and there were certain things in the deal that drew drew some red flags. Uh, and another big announcement today, President Trump has officially got the wall funding approved by the judge, which he can use military money to build lots of the wall. I don't know if it's he can do the whole wall, but I think he can do, if I'm not mistaken, he can well, I actually I, I know it's quite a bit. I'm not gonna put a number on it, but I know he can do quite a bit of miles and it, it's something really significant. Um, I also want to mention uh, President Trump. I mean, this is this is unbelievable. The no, the no tariff. I mean, he's with these tariffs. You know, Apple. Apple is basically uh, probably going to going to have to come back here and do a lot of their stuff because China is is really hurting them on the tariffs. Which you know, uh, Trump even said over the weekend, Apple's not going to get any special privileges. If they want to save money and they don't want the Apple, they bring their products here. Very simple. And I gotta love this pro. Uh, America First Agenda. I mean, it's absolutely uh, beautiful, beautiful to watch. It really is. And, uh, you know, I, I can't be prouder uh, of this country. I mean, we are in the best times ever. Uh, we have the best economy. I think we're the, probably the safest because we have, a, we have a president who never backs down from anything and always does what he says and puts, puts himself, you know, on the line for us. It really, really is a uh, a beautiful thing. But uh, let let's you know let's get into this California shooting. You know I'm I'm really I obviously have always have questions and always have thoughts when this stuff happens for many reasons. You know I I I can't help to wonder like you talked about earlier in the program, why a killing, like, California with only three people dead compared to Chicago last weekend. They had, like, 10 or 12 dead. I mean, this gets more coverage than in California. Why aren't you talking about the Baltimore shootings? Why aren't you talking about the Chicago shootings? They're excessive. They're constant. They'd rather talk about these... I mean, and all, all these situations are terrible. I'm not... Trying to compare. This isn't a context. I'm just basically saying there's there's more there's situations that are way more severe, but the media refuses to pick it up, which I think should be concerning to anybody, uh, you know. I, and you know, I, I think this and this entire shooting in California yesterday, obviously, you know, this this, this suspect uh, got his gun legally in Nevada. Uh, you know, he climbed through a little fence at the event. That's how he got in without uh, without a ticket, or without you know. I, I think I'm pretty sure they check you, but he basically snuck in, you know, pulled off this stunt. But why? They kill, still can't find a motive. You know, they, they still can't find a reasoning behind this.
1: It, it, was he
2: just was he just psychotic and crazy? I mean, that's possible. But what do we always see Democrats do? After these situations happen, you know that they don't want to talk about Chicago or Baltimore or
4: Detroit because
2: it's all run under their party, all Democrats. So they want to talk about places where they think they have more of an advantage and where the media is going to cover the situation. And we all know the media, especially the mainstream media on the left, they refuse to cover places like Chicago, Baltimore, and Detroit because it doesn't. In a lot of ways, it doesn't fit their narrative. It really doesn't. And and it's, a lot of this is confusing to me because I don't know how you could, you know, keep a straight face and, and want to talk about something like Gilroy, California yesterday,
1: but like I said, don't talk about Chicago or Detroit or Baltimore or these inner cities. And, and you know, what what's the first thing, though, these, these Democrats did right after uh, this happened? Gun control. They're publicizing the event politicizing it. They're 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 not giving any sympathy to the victims. They don't care that a family just lost their kid or their or their loved one. They don't care. It's all about an agenda for them. And look at places like Chicago. Look at places like Baltimore. Some of the strictest gun laws. They already have the gun control. That's probably why
2: mainstream media doesn't talk about it because it doesn't fit a narrative where you know, that they need to
1: they they need to you know, they they it doesn't fit their narrative or what what they're trying to spew. So I just I'm so sick of the twisted stories, I'm sick of the spin, I'm sick of all the crap. I mean it, it never ends. And and there's a lot of unanswered questions with these shootings and and I think a lot of people would
2: agree with me on that. I mean we still don't even know half of the things that with the Vegas shooting, we only know some
1: of the facts. We don't know everything. They sure did a hell of a job covering that up. Same with situations like Sandy Hook um, and all these other different situations. And there's, a lot of, there's a lot of secrets
8: and a lot of
2: cover-ups. Uh, Dan, you're the expert of this. I, I want to start with you. I mean, what you. What are your thoughts on all this?
8: Well, I think first we have to understand and accept the fact that Democrats want control of society. That's the the bottom line. And in order to do that, they need to disarm their opposition, conservatives, republicans. We are the opposition. So anything that they do if if you can if you can look at the situation through that lens, you'll you'll, you'll notice that every single thing they do with respect to guns will serve that end, that end result of government control. So once you understand that it makes perfect sense because every time that they create a new gun-free zone and people get killed they get to use that situation as justification for more gun control, more gun regulations. So that's why they continue to, even though they see the deaths that happen in gun-free zones like this place in California, even though they see it, they, they understand the numbers. They're not stupid people. They, they double down, and they want more gun-free zones. They want more gun restrictions. The, it, you would almost think that, that they want more gun-related deaths because it helps justify their uh, their their gun restrictions. Now, I'm not saying that that's their intent for more deaths, but the policies that they put in place give those results. So you you have to at least ask yourself the question: Are they you know are they being honest about all this? And um, so 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 the gun free zone in California. People were stopped at the gate, and they were, they were frisked or they were gone through metal detectors or whatever. So anybody that would come in to that festival, that garlic, uh, garlic festival, was, was disarmed. So if you had a gun, you would have to leave it in your car, lock it up or whatever, and go in. So they made sure that everybody in there was disarmed, so, and the killer knew that. Which is why he didn't go through the metal detector. He used some wire cutters, and he cut his his way through the fence. Why did he go to this particular place? Well, he knew that everybody was disarmed. They're unarmed and helpless. This is a very simple concept. This isn't rocket science. You create a gun-free zone. What you're doing is you're creating a killing zone where people can't defend themselves. Why do Democrats keep doing it? Well, they keep doing it because they get the results that they want. you got to understand they want those numbers because those numbers push and give them justification for more gun control because, remember, ultimately what they want is control over society. Getting the guns is the first thing they need to do. Now, you notice that AOC and her little clan came out and they are pushing and even Bernie Sanders are pushing this socialism thing so hard well they weren't supposed to do that just yet because the democrats hadn't actually got the guns they started the big gun bans back in 94 with the with the assault weapons ban and they thought that by now they would have really gotten control over the guns in our in our society but they didn't and AOC and her group have come out and and made it clear what their real intentions are and that's socialism but they weren't supposed to do it yet they were supposed to get the guns first so th- so they have a real problem with with respect to the socialism and not getting the guns yet so now i am wondering what's going to happen to AOC and her group i wonder if they're going to go underground after trump gets reelected um i would i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt it that, if they did but you know so if, if we can at least look at it through that lens they want control of society, and anything they do with respect to guns is 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 to achieve that goal.
2: No, you're you're absolutely right, and and that those are those are facts. I mean, you know, it's and it's it's one of those things where, you know, I feel, I feel like this is just going to keep happening. I mean, what, how often are we reading about a shooting? A couple times a week. Yeah, once a week. It's becoming the new norm.
8: Yeah. Yeah, and, and you notice that they don't do anything about it. <laughs> they know what needs to be done. Citizens need to be able to arm themselves, because once you do that, the bad guys don't bother you. It's a very simple concept. It, it's not hard to understand. It's been that way since the beginning of our, our country, since the beginning of our founding. You know, it's, it's it's what Democrats are doing is they're taking that away, which is why we're having – you know, all these things, all these killings and stuff. So, yeah, so people need to arm themselves. It's a simple concept. It's a healthy concept. It keeps you and your family safe. And uh, they understand it, but they don't want that because by arming ourselves to protect ourselves, we're also arming ourselves and giving ourselves empowerment uh, where we will not let socialists come in and take over. We will not let... People come into our homes and confiscate you know, things and, and confiscate our guns and stuff like that if we're armed. Um, that's what made America strong in the first place. That's how we became America because we had that leverage. We had that power. Firearms give us power, and you know, they, make, they let good people um, you know, exercise freedom. And uh, for people who, who want to control society, it's, it's the worst thing yeah and
2: you know I, I do want I do also want to ask you what what are your thoughts on the whole Vegas situation I mean like I said earlier when I was talking you know there, there's a lot of answers we don't even know and it just that's just one example I mean there's many shootings where there's a lot of unanswered questions but Vegas in particular I think that's probably the most fascinating one probably the the one that uh, you know bothers me the most in terms of not knowing all the facts and Definitely yeah. I, I think is it the most deadliest or the second? Maybe is it the first or second most deadliest shooting? I think of all
8: the time? pulse I think I think the pulse nightclub was more um w- was more if I if I'm if I'm not mistaken, but, but I'm as frustrated about the Vegas uh, situation as you. I I you know I still to this day don't know anything about the killer. <laughs> Like, what, like, what do we know about him? his brother his his the person that was supposed to be his brother I don't even know if it was his brother that guy who said he was his brother didn't have any information on him it, it was like it's like what? where did this guy come from he had no social media footprint he didn't have nobody knew anything about him so it's very uh, it's very um, suspicious to tell you the truth and the only thing that really came out of it was a bump stock ban. <laughs> when, when else did anybody ever hear of bump stocks? People, people didn't even know what a bump stock was before Vegas, but that whole thing fueled the bump stock, uh, the bump stock ban, and um, and and we still don't know. It's almost like the whole thing was to serve that one purpose. And uh, it's just it's just a crazy thing. I wish we knew more information. I don't know anything else. I don't, I don't know any more than you, Rory, on who that guy was, you know, why it happened, why he did it. What, what about his girlfriend? You know, we heard a little bit about her. Did she ever go back? All of a sudden she disappeared back to another country and they couldn't get her? What? Really? She just disappears? And you don't know how to get a hold of her? <laughs> it all just seems like a, a, a big, ridiculous thing. You know, so so yeah, I'm as frustrated as you. I, I don't. Some of it, I don't. I don't believe. Um, you know, then you get into that whole conspiracy stuff. But but hey, give us some more information so we can actually believe it. And
2: the only thing, the you know, what I've really thought a lot about this, um, Dan, and the only thing I can really come up with that makes sense, and I don't even, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I. And and believe me, I'm not trying to, and I'm trying – I I came up with every possible conclusion that I could think of. The only thing I could really think of after all the reports I saw is that there was somebody in the government or or somewhere that was involved with this to try to set up some sort of gun control awareness, and this guy was
8: used as a plant
2: or something. I just don't – it's just so weird how he had all those guns scattered all over the room. He had suitcases and suitcases brought up on an elevator. You would think something would be said to him, or somebody would have been uh, more aware. I mean, there's cameras all over that hotel.
8: You know, you know, it's easy, it is easy to go toward that thought process, like it was a big setup and it was created, and then you and then you see all the people that were killed, and you're like, wait a minute, that that can't be true. I I tend to take the route that it really did happen this crazy guy but what they did was they took him out of the mix after it happened and because who knows who he really was maybe he was an angry democrat you know you don't know maybe he was he was you don't know who he was. we don't know anything but i tend to want to think that it really did happen this crazy guy brought up the guns and he really had bad intentions in his heart <clears throat> and he did what he did and then what they did after that was take the story away. So they didn't give you any more. They hid him from society. They hid his girlfriend. They didn't give you any more information because they had the agenda. I I don't want to believe that our government would put something like that together to, and kill people. That To me, that's just that, – that, I don't want to believe that. That's crazy. I, I can't believe that. So the next best thing for me, because of the lack of information – is to is to maybe lean towards something like that. Like he really did do it. Uh, they hid him from from the from the media, and um, so they could push an agenda. Use that situation to push an agenda.
5: Yeah, it's very
2: true. It's absolutely true. And you know what? What do you think uh, that this guy had? I mean, look at his aim. He had good aim. I mean, he was. What did he kill? Like almost sixty people.
8: I mean, in a, like a two-minute time frame. Yeah. So you so you're, you're implying that he was skilled. Maybe he was skilled. Yeah. Uh, it's he did. And he, there was a lot of rounds. I mean, he fired a lot of rounds into a into a crowd of people. I mean, I guess I don't know. He was pretty far away. So, uh, but there was a it was a big mass of people too. So um it was all, it was almost like shooting fish in a barrel. And um so you know, and I can only imagine the devastation of people getting rained on, you know, bullets raining on, down on them. Uh Great. what the fear factor was with all that. And I just uh I really wish that I had more information because all we're doing right now is we're hypothesizing because we don't have right. information when when we miss right. when we miss that data we we try to fill it in which is what you and I are doing right now we're trying to fill in the gaps because that's what our brains right. want to generally do you know <laughs> so okay. um so it's, it, true. It, it's a shame that we don't have that information yeah,
5: and
2: and the sad another sad part is we don't have the information of, of the motive from yesterday uh, but dr branch go ahead
3: Yes, uh thanks thanks Dan for your input on that. Um you oh, know thank you. L- you. Can you Hear me? Yes, yeah yep, we can hear you. Okay, so looking looking at the events, the uh, uh, little fact checking here, the uh the shooting in Las Vegas killed fifty eight people, injuring almost five hundred because he shot into a crowd of twenty two thousand. The pulse nightclub killed forty nine and injured fifty are a little more than 50. Uh, But that doesn't mean that either one of them is the least. Uh, You know, and, and, you know, as you were talking, you know, I'm just going all over the world, like, you know, the nut job in Oslo, Norway, that went and killed all those uh, campers, 77 of them, uh, when there was no guns even permitted. Uh, And it's terrible. But, you know, looking at what you were saying uh, as far as an agenda, you know, Rory brought up what I thought was a really good point. Why aren't why aren't people talking about the killings in Chicago? Why aren't the people talking about you know what's happening in in other cities like Baltimore? Uh, as opposed to now, you have a mass shooting. Now let's ban guns. Because first of all, I believe that they could blame you know on this on. You know, Trump and Trump supporters that believe in the Second Amendment, uh, as opposed to, you know, lack of government uh, in big cities, you know, like Chicago, where they have a Democrat mayor, uh, Democrat city council, uh, and, you know, the police department and all that. So, you know, uh, but President Trump, he tries to shed lights on these, right? He tries to shed light on You know how terrible the shootings are in Chicago Uh, But when he's you know when that happens You know Rahm Emanuel and everybody else attacks Trump And to me it's just political And it's unfortunate because Gilroy If you've never been to Gilroy It is one of the most beautiful little communities on this earth I mean you just come out of the California foothills Get down into the valley There's Gilroy Every yeah. day of the year, it smells like garlic, uh, but right. we have been there, you know, during this time. We have been to their farmer markets, you know, on the weekends. Every time we go up into San Jose, we drive down to Gilroy, and it's so yeah. beautiful. And for this to happen, and not just happen, but for this to happen and be politicized, and to me, that's just heartbreaking. It shouldn't be politicized. Right. This this evil person You know, should be uh, villainized and everybody needs to mourn because the Lord said, blessed are those who mourn for we shall be comforted. And I think it's time for mourning. I don't think it's time for politicizing. And it just ticks me off to no end. Every time it happens, you know, they try to politicize everything. Gilroy's a beautiful little community. And I, you know, every time I go through it, I've always felt joy. And to me, you know, I am saddened what happened there. Right. No, you're right. You're
2: absolutely right. Um, Kevin, go ahead.
5: How did this happen? I am absolutely dumbfounded that somehow a big black scary rifle was able to kill people in the sanctuary state of California. I mean, it's hard to get bullets and ammo and guns and there's restrictions everywhere. Well, of course I could answer Bob Branch's uh, question about why the media has decided to – Air this story instead of stories in Chicago, Baltimore, Detroit, etc. I mean, first of all, you have this is a, a white person, and you have, for example, um, the media is very against the whites, very against Republicans. Uh, they don't mention shooters when they are other races. Remember the Virginia shooter that killed 12 people with a with a silencer. They'll mention that uh, it's a, you know they're trying to get rid of silencers, create this agenda. To take away our, our gun rights and gun accessories, uh, but they will not mention the race unless it's a, it's a white person or someone that they could call white, who like George Zimmerman, who was Cuban, not white, but they'll call him white, uh, just in order to vilify uh, this race. And of course, there's so many other reasons. You have the fact that this is a military-style rifle that came from Nevada, and so there's this big movement now to try to crack down on other states besides California, California. Is now lobbying now states like Arizona to try to get our gun rights away here in Arizona, and also they're trying to make sure that there's uh, restrictions on age limits. This guy was, uh, I believe, 19, and they want to raise the voting, uh, I mean, the uh, ability to get a gun to 21. So um, it's just taking away our gun rights uh, piece by piece, and it's a it's a terrible agenda that uh, needs us up.
2: No, it does. It ab- it absolutely does. Um, we are, we are about out of time. Um, let's start, let's go, let's go to Dan. Dan, please tell everybody where they can connect with you.
3: Uh,
8: thanks. It was a great conversation, guys. Um, appreciate it as, as always. Um, you can find me at goodgunbadguy.net or goodgunbadguy.com.
2: Sounds good, Dan. Always a pleasure. Uh, Kevin, thanks, go ahead.
5: Guys. Yes. Yeah, find me on any social media at Nationalists United or NationalistsUnited.com. Great show, Rory. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Doctor Branch, go ahead.
3: Yes. Hi, everybody. This is Doctor Branch, and you can get a hold of me on drbranch.com. That's D.R. BobBranch.com. DoctorBobBranch.com. Thank you, Rory. Sounds good. Thank you, Doctor Branch.
1: Wow. It's. Uh It's been quite the the show tonight. Uh, Definitely got
2: lots established. Um, I do want to mention what I'm really happy about, President Trump calling out Al Sharpton today, calling him a con man who hates whites and cops, and Trump's absolutely right. Al Sharpton has been a race fader and and been an instigator for the longest time, and it's about time he gets called out, and I, I love this. And uh, you know, there uh, there's definitely uh, a lot of uh, people like Al Sharpton in the Democratic Party attacking our president constantly, over and over. You know, it's it, it's really it's really getting old. So I'm glad Trump's fighting back. Um, we have we have huge. Um, Uh, News coming tomorrow, another big show, a lot to look forward to. Like always, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my audience and sponsors. You are incredible. Uh, The show is at its best right now, and uh, I uh, am so excited to be along with the journey. Uh, We'll see you all tomorrow night, everybody, at 10 p.m. Eastern. The show uh, will be... um, the show will be – we'll have the show tomorrow, and we'll be on Thursday as well. And uh, we're listening to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. Everybody, if you missed any past clips, past episodes, or any 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, com. Also remember, in about a month, I will be releasing the new 24-7 network with my business partners, uh, and we've been working really hard on this. We're raising a lot of money. And the face uh, and many notable names will be doing their own shows on the network. And the faces of the network will be my friend, America's toughest Sheriff, Joe Arpaio, and the director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. Um, so, so exciting. Something we've been working really hard on. And uh, like I said, I can't wait to share it with all of you. I will see you all tomorrow, tomorrow night, everybody.
1: I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Cheers.